0: the country of Indonesia do they like me in Indonesia 100% confident Indonesia will prevail Welcome to Talking Indonesia. I am your host, Tito Ambio, from RMIT University School of Media and Communication. Our guest today is William Yanko, a PhD candidate at RMIT University, who is about to finish his thesis on Indonesian Hip-Hop. With William, we talked about Hip-Hop, how Hip-Hop artists in Indonesia are similar to Dangdut artists, at least until someone by the name of Young Lex came into the scene and changed everything. We also talked about Rich Bryan and how ethnicity is a major issue in the realities of being a hip-hop artist in Indonesia. But my first question to William was, what is hip-hop in Asia?
1: So there, there was a perception within within the, the general media that, oh, hey, if you're a rapper, you're following um, um, the issues from the States, right? But what I found is that the politics of, of rap in Asia, or more specifically in Indonesia, right, they, are, they are actually localized. They, has been cast, they, they have been customized to suit the local needs. People um, in Myanmar actually use rap and hip hop to deal with their trauma post the war. Mm. They ended up using hip hop to, to try to talk about it, to try to bring the issue forward, and to say, hey, It is okay to talk about it yes it happened but what can we do about it and how can we move forward Um, closer to indonesia uh, singapore and malaysia in singapore and malaysia um, nasir um, kamaludin nasir um, from singapore um brought quite a bit about this um he found that people in in um, singapore indonesia and malaysia are using hip-hop and rap as a medium of dakwah mm. so spreading religion they found that hey if you if, if you are not interested in actually attending mosque if you don't want to pray let us use hip hop and rap to invite you in to 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 spread the word
0: in your thesis you talk about it as something that is emerging in the 80s and the 90s in indonesia can you paint a picture there what was it like and yeah, why why did we see hip hop culture thriving in the eighties and nineties in Indonesia?
1: So funnily enough, Indonesian hip hop was first started by a copycat pirated movie um, of Wild Style. So um, back in the eighties in the US, the, the, there was this film called whole Wild Style, and um, it was a movie about about um, break dancing. So it wasn't about rapping, right? Yeah. Right. And Indonesian producer actually found out about that movie and actually created their version, so their Indonesian version of Wildstar. They call it Gujaloka Kawula Muda. Yeah, right, very 80s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's um, that's the, the thing that actually started Indonesian hip hop. So the when, when hip hop first landed in Indonesia, it wasn't rapping like it, it is now. It was breakdancing, it was basketball. And um, in the 80s, People in Jakarta, people, people in in Surabaya and Bandung and Yogyakarta, were were actually getting into that. So they were they were you know brick dancing um, um on the street everywhere in the school. Um, there were actually quite a lot of um. Uh, breakdancing competition, basketball competitions. Back then, in the 80s, in the late 80s, before rap even you know got recognized in Indonesia. So the the term complex that I use, that I contested in my thesis, um, it's about the perception of people who look into Indonesian hip hop as an outlaw genre, mm-hmm. and I argue against that. Um, it it stemmed from a paper that was written in 2004 by um, Michael Borden. Um, he's, he's a professor in the US, um, he wrote about how in the 90s, um, people were using rap and calling themselves as outlaws. Mm-hmm. And that was the paper that became the standard for Indonesian hip-hop. But the issue is that, the issue that I'm contesting is that Indonesian hip-hop has grown so much. It's been so many years, it's like 30 years, man, like a lot of people are not just using it as a an, an outlaw, like they, they don't just try to fight for 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 the right of, of you know like against the government now they're using it for a lot uh, a lot of other purposes like spreading the religion um talking about their own local culture but about that outlaw um genre in the 1990s and and, uh, and late 80s um it is correct um people back then um Indonesian rebels were using hip hop As a way to avoid the censorship of the New Order regime, Mm -hmm. so they, you know, like back then, you couldn't really say a lot of things about the Suharto's um, government, right? So what they did back then was actually using their music and implementing a a much softer languages. So they are they are not saying stuff like homicide, for instance, or they are not not like. Using using like hardcore, um, hardcore influences or, or hardcore movement like punk, hmm. they are trying to apply a soft um, diplomacy.
0: So who are we talking about here? Who were the, the stars back then?
1: The stars back then, of course. Um, we can't we can't go away from Ewok, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry I'm laughing because you know, <laughs> I'm very familiar with Iwa K. I used to memorize his songs in high school. So anyway, yep. tell us about Iwa K.
1: <laughs> so I I will say that the 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 first famous rapper in Indo is Iwa K, but when I talked to him, he was like, "No, dude, like I'm not even the first rapper in Indonesia. I am the first rapper who got famous in Indonesia." Mm. A lot of the members of Pesta Rap. Are you are you familiar with Pesta yeah, Rap? Yeah, 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 yeah. So apparently, Ewak grew up with a lot of these members of Pesta Rap. So you got Black Kumu, um, you got Sindikat Tiga um, you got Yako, um, and even G Tribe from from Yogyakarta, right? Mm. Um, many of them are, are congregated together um in the in the 90s and and they they became those people who tried to convert what was an and a copy of US um popular culture into the Indonesian context.
0: Mm. What are they doing now uh, all these people um UK and yeah all the people who are <laughs> active in the 80s and 90s are they still <laughs> around doing hip hop and influencing um the hip hop culture now?
1: Um well it's it's interesting. I guess um there is a resurgence of all the hip hop heads um, performing again. Mm. Um, what I'm noticing now um, is that there, there's a, a trend where people are getting sick of you know your your typical mumble rap. Um, What's that mumble rap? So mumble rap is a is a style of, of rap. Um, it's a it's a you know hip hop subculture mm-hmm. that got popularized in SoundCloud and YouTube. Um, where they are that mumbling. So, <laughs> you know, like back then, um, you, you got to be really clear in how you speak, right? Yeah. Really clear in, in your messages. But in mumble rap, um, most of them are amateurs before they turn pro. So they are recording in their bedroom. They are talking about stuff that they want to talk about, but not really like socio political issues. They're just talking about their daily life, but they are doing it in mumbles. So they're mumbling their words and sentences.
0: (laughs) Alright. Um we we are going to talk more about about um the current situation with Indonesian hip hop and culture. But um a lot of the audience for Talking Indonesia is also interested in um you know thinking seriously and deeply about these things. Mm -hmm. so in terms of the theories that you're using in your thesis, you're also using um, Weintraub and he's thinking about Dangdut, and you'll also yep. talk about Yamolsky's writing about kroncong. Can yep. you t- give us a bit of a sense of uh, how your thinking kind of follows on from this writers in the past uh, when they're thinking about Indonesian music?
1: Yep, awesome, awesome question. Um, so I'm w- um, I'm using um Yamolsky Traub, um. Because I found that Indonesian hip hop are extremely close to their communities. So as opposed to say punk, I, I found punk to be more more constricted to their own subculture. Mm. While with Indonesian hip hop and throughout my um uh, my fieldwork, I found them to, to be more integrated um to the to the localized um society. And some of the traits of Indonesian rappers, um, especially those that I talked to and those that I wrote about, um, they they mimic the movement of dangdut singers back then in the past. Wow. Yeah, like how um, Roma Irama, he he was an extremely um, uh, he he was a dissident voice right during the Suharto yeah. era, in the seventies, in the eighties, he was he was right there in the front line criticizing, but. Um, uh, about the, the government, and that was w- what I found um, when I went to, to, um, to Bandung, to Yogyakarta, to, to many parts of Jakarta. That that's the, the same perception that, that these rappers have as well. Mm. So instead of, instead of making, hey, um, let us concentrate on our own community, they're saying, hey, let us use our platform to talk about our communities and elevate these issues to the wider audience.
0: That's that's that, amazing. Yeah. That's, so so basically what you found is that because you know in my head before this conversation in my head I thought of when I think of hip-hop I think of oh yeah they must be close to the punk. Um, mm. You know people in Indonesia they kind of sound kind of similar as well. But mm-hmm. what you found is that they're actually closer to Dangdut, they're closer to Roma Irama than they are. Funnily to, enough. yeah. Can you give us a little bit more of the story here? Um, Let's talk a little bit deeper about the complexity of hip-hop and music and politics in general. Um, In your thesis, you look at a few different cities. Can you talk a little bit about Bandung and Jogja and the main differences and similarities between the two cities and the hip-hop cultures? Because I think these two cities are quite important, um, not only in your thesis, but also in the way people kind of think about Mm -hmm. different approaches to art and activism, I suppose.
1: Awesome question again. Um, Bandung and Yogyakarta, are—they are, they are two totally different um cities, and they have two totally different um politics. So um, in my thesis and in my research, I I found that their politics were complete opposite. So in Bandung, um, people people say like people in Grimlock, um, they for for more of the leftist ideologies they they are more open to ideas, they, they want people to start to realize, hey, we can be, we can be independent, um, we can exist outside of, um, outside of our over-reliance of, um, of the government, mm. right? Mm. And they rely on the communities to build that um, and contribute to their largest society in Bandung. But when you compare to, to Yogyakarta, I found um rappers in Jakarta to be well sorry but a little bit sexist and a little bit misogynistic. Right okay. <laughs> yeah. Um I found that some rappers in Jakarta um wanted a a return to the glorious um past of Jakarta. Right. They were complaining about um the amount of, of migrants, the amount of outsiders who have entered the city and changed the city. And they were complaining about, say, um, Malioboro. I I wrote extensively about that because so many of the protests rely on on their perceptions of Malioboro. How they were complaining about, hey, um, Malioboro is now you know filled with with um, with stalls. People are no longer using kebaya. People are using like mini skirts. And those kind of politics are are completely opposite of what. Um, Uchok and his friends were saying in Bandung, mm. even in like early uh, early two thousands, right. And the worst part is that I found that they are still saying it nowadays. They are extremely proud of of their their past heritage, which is not wrong, right. Mm. But they over reliance on what they were, they perceive as, as the true Japanese masculinity um actually betray um those who they say they supported
0: which is really interesting. I mean I I'm very biased because I grew up in Bandung so yeah. it's very it's very nice to hear that Bandung is a little bit more open but yeah. Jogja is I mean my mom is from Jogja and um mm. I can see what you mean there with you know that they have this pride about Javanese culture mm. about Jogja culture yeah. but my understanding of Jogja as well is that it's a city that has been quite open um, to different cultures and different people. So are you l- seeing how that is changing in Jogja through your study of hip-hop?
1: Yes. Um, so during my fieldwork, I, I live close to Malioboro mm-hmm. and um, my daily activity is back then following John Postel, Um I basically have my notebook and my recorder, and I just walk around um, the neighborhood um, around Yogyakarta and just started asking people some random questions, right? Mm. And I I found that perhaps um the the older people are a lot more conservative in that sense, so they they yeah like like what I said previously, like they they have this this sense of um um like extreme. Japanese masculinity that that doesn't allow them um, to to think that others will benefit from these migrants and these outsiders.
0: S- what what do you mean when you say Japanese masculine um, culture?
1: Um, good question. So, say in a, l- a lot of Jokyo J- Hevo Foundation songs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you listen to them, you you get the feeling that hey, oh, they are fighting for the people of Yogyakarta right? But once you have a a deeper and closer look on what they are talking about, I found that they mainly speak for um their male um audience members. So they were talking about oh, hey, um, you shouldn't be wearing skirts because you should be wearing kabaya you shouldn't be like selling um, selling cigarettes in in their words um, skimpy clothing. Mm. When I asked them I was like, hey, um, wouldn't that um, be be a bit sexist? Because you know, it's it's work. Um, and they're they're trying hard to support themselves and their family. And they told me that that is precisely the problem here. Is that they want people to go back to the you know, to the glorious past and be like hey we are all warriors we are we have this this long tradition long standing tradition of of being kings in indonesia we mm. should be that. we should close our border and we should just care for our own people <laughs> wow which is which is totally different with say um bandung scene or even jakarta man um yeah, yeah. so
0: let's let's talk about bandung because um yeah. you know you talking about uchok who's very influential in the world of hip-hop in bandung and nationally as well Mm -hmm. um, and his band homicide um can you tell us a little bit more about uchok and what is what is it that he's trying to do with his music
1: uchok is an interesting individual he's a rapper um, he's a producer and he's also an artist so what he he does with his music is that he's using his music as a canvas Uchok um, is also a graphic designer, right? Hmm. So if you analyze his song, um, most of his songs um, looks like and sounds like a postmodern um, painting, where you can see a lot of different ideologies and different um, agendas implemented in them. Outside of outside of his rapping, obviously um, he runs Grimlock. Um, and he he's involvement in his community will probably be one of the um the the most influential aspect of mm-hmm. Um
0: Can you before you continue? Can you tell us uh, what Grimlock is?
1: So Grimlock Records um is is a record label based in Bandung. Um, it was created by ex members of Homicide. Um, they they are they're record um label um um who, who fully relies and who p- and and fully contributes to their community. So when I talk to Uchok about Grimlock, um, they basically do a, a clean um, profit sharing. Um, they cover for all the recording needs. They cover for for basically all 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 side of production. Um, and they are open to all genres as well. So not mm-hmm. only hip hop, um, also hardcore punk rock metal. Um, whatever they want to do, whatever people want to want to want to contribute to Grimlock, and mm-hmm. they use that money, um, the money that they, they got from those recordings, and put it back to the community, and not just the music community, but also those who live around them. So they are they are, I, I would say that they are they are record label, but also slash activist organization.
0: Let's go back to Uchok's work. So can you give mm-hmm. us an example? You've published a paper on this. Can you give us an example of his lyrics and what he's uh, yeah, doing with those lyrics?
1: Okay. Um let us go to, to the song that I analyzed called Puritan. Um by, by Homicide, right? Um Puritan by Homicide, if you look at it, it's it's an interesting song and really heavy song to listen to. Um it's it's really upfront. The lyrics doesn't well, I, I would say that if you listen to it like ten times the lyrics. Don't it really make sense. <laughs> um, there's so much stuff, so much information um, in, in their song, right? Mm. But what I found is that they tried to criticize a lot of a lot of these, these post-reformacy ideas um, where people were, were, were too satisfied with the idea of Reformasi and the idea of freedom that they have now achieved. That they forgot that the the this this reform era, um, could easily be taken away from people, hmm. Hmm. and they criticize a lot about uh fascism, especially in in Bandung where where you're from, right, man?
0: Yeah, and yeah. that is that is almost the paradox, right, of Bandung, because we yeah. see all this, um, super conservative, uh, Islamic organization, sorry, yep. Islamists organization, Islamists, yep. Um, but on the other hand, you also have, yeah, all these bands and people doing some really cool things.
1: So when I talked to Ujok, right, I asked him, but um, when you guys released that song in in two thousand two, right, hmm. um, what happened to you guys? Like, why would you say all of this? Um, so basically, what happened to them was that they were pretty intimidated by the the, the sudden r- um rise of of um islamic fascist organizations and i'm not talking about the the religion here i'm talking about um pemuda pancasila i'm talking about fpi i'm talking about um um fbr right hmm. they were they were surprised by how crazy these organizations were and how brutal they were and how close they were with um with the military and the indonesian government so there were times um where Uchok, his family and his um his bandmates um were not able to actually do shopping or anything like that because they got like people watching over them all the time, people throwing rubbish um in front of their front door, people throwing stones at them. He was actually <laughs> claimed as kafir as well by a lot of people there <laughs> yeah you know like yeah. yeah and and that's that's the 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 reason why. Um, they got so upset and the music sound extremely, you know, upfront and mm. their lyrics were not censored like any of the other rappers at the time.
0: Let's talk about Young right? <laughs> 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 oh, no. Because, <laughs> because you, you've done this already. You've dissed yep. uh, a few artists already in this in- interview. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say when I first heard Young um there's... I, uh, to be honest, I had this deep dislike <laughs> to, to what he was trying to do. But can you explain to me? Can you explain to me why? Uh, why did I have that reaction? What was he trying to do? <laughs> what is he? Why is he? <laughs> Who is he? Uh,
1: okay. Um. I similarly to you, I don't like young legs. Um. Okay. I I found his music to be extremely obnoxious, um, his music is not political at all, he is extremely um, mainstream focus, um, his production quality is not the best either, hmm. um, his voice, yeah. he can sing but I don't think he can rap.
0: And um, there was that video right where he was <laughs> oh, no. freestyling and... Um... Yeah, yep. I, I don't recommend yeah. oh, our listeners no, no, watch that no, because it's uh, <laughs> it's quite painful.
1: <laughs> yep, don't watch it. Um, but the the thing about Young Lex is that he is an incredible, incredible entertainer. Mm. He knows what grabs his audience and he knows how to satisfy them. He mm. knows that controversies will drive his music. I'm not trying to be rude here, but skill, I don't think he has that. Um his way of lyric writings, his way of of pronouncing any of his stuff, his way of 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 sending his messages are sorry, but non existent. Um yeah, his his music is just terrible, right? But what he does with his music and what he does with his fame is what we need to pay attention to. He he revolutionized hip hop as a genre and as a scene in Indonesia, basically.
0: Yeah, let's let's stop talking about young lex, <laughs> 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 and talk about something a little bit more interesting. Which uh, yep. you also write about in your thesis. You looked at how rap and hip hop um, is also the kind of the weapon of choice for marginalized Eastern Indonesian domestic migrants working in Western parts of Indonesia. Can you tell yep. us a little bit more about them?
1: Yeah, um, the group that are looking uh, into um, was mukarakat. So many of them were from Flores um from Ruteng um before they moved to Bali um um they were involved in a group called Republic Ruteng Clan um RRK. um right. and, and before they 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 moved to Bali permanently um they were spread out um uh uh in so many um capital um not capital metropolitan cities of indonesia so um, some of them work in surabaya some of them work in malang in bandung in jakarta jogjakarta and a, a lot of them experience racism discriminations they were called monkeys by people mm. um they they were declined um um accommodations they weren't able to find kos-kosan at all and that was one of the reasons why they had to to commune together, why they have to create these these Papuaan domes, um, because they have this strength in numbers. While if they they live by themselves in in Kaskasan, they they were easily bullied by other people, right? Mm. And these migrants who who moved to like all these other parts of of Indonesia ended up migrating to Bali. Yeah, and that's when they started to to find themselves, and that that's when they started to find their own voice and then their own protest. So all of their songs were written about that, but their experiences of of being being an outsider in Indonesia while trying to find themselves, trying to find the idea of what is what is Indonesia, what is being an Indonesian, what does it entitle to? So that's that's the question, and that's that's a part of their politics.
0: Mm. Um, one character I want to ask you about, and this mm-hmm. wasn't in the original list of questions, but I just thought about him just then. Mm-hmm. If we think about hip hop or rap artists from Indonesia, mm-hmm. one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star globally, is Rich Brian, right? Yep. How does he fit into? Um, I mean, I know you, you didn't write about him, but mm-hmm. how? What do you know about him? That uh, yeah, how does he fit into the picture? Um,
1: funnily enough, um, even though people keep saying that Rhys Bryan is an Indonesian rapper, none of the um, rap scene in, in Indo actually accept him as an Indonesian rapper. Many of them said that yes, they are proud of his achievement as an Indonesian, but many of them refuse to acknowledge that he is an Indonesian rapper. Right. Um, his, his, so prior to him um, getting and hitting it big, um, he didn't actually rap um, anywhere in Indo, um, back then. He did comedy on YouTube, right? Mm, yeah. And yeah, and and he he didn't perform at all, and people didn't even know who he was until that music video came out. Yeah, yeah. Can, can and, I ask yeah.
0: you maybe a slightly controversial question here? But mm-hmm. you know, you're also a Chinese Indonesian. Um, Rich Brian is Chinese Indonesian. Yep. Would he have been accepted as easily as a non-Chinese Indonesian would be if, if they were doing, you know, yeah? Be, do, do you think that has something there with this? Because he, <laughs> what what you said before, right? He he was homeschooled. He wanted yep. to be a comedian. He just watched mm-hmm. YouTube all the time. Mm-hmm. And partly, I'm guessing it's because his parents wanted to protect him, right, from yep. what. Uh, you know, uh, life could be. Uh, you know, life is difficult for Chinese Indonesians. Yep. Am I reading too much into this, or, uh, or yeah, what what do you think?
1: Um, that's that's a really fair assumption, and I think that's a really fair observation as well. Um, I do agree with you. Being Chinese Indonesian, um, in Indonesia is difficult. Um, uh, a lot of people not, uh, um, they are not as famous or they are not as rich um need to experience a lot of racism in Indonesia um mm-hmm. that could be one of the reason why Brian was was quite hesitant in performing um in Indo right mm. but in the in the early 2000s there there was this rapper called Duffus from Medan he's a chinese indonesian rapper mm-hmm. who was actually rapping i think either in teochew or in hakka right yeah so he has been doing that um um, he rarely performs now because he has uh, kids and you know family. Mm. Um, but the the barrier of entry in Indonesian hip hop, um, even until now, uh, are still not as steep. Um, perhaps the the scene in in um, say Jakarta or in or, or Bandung would fit him, would fit Brian, mm. um, but he probably wouldn't work in Jogjakarta.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, just just because of, you know, like as as a Chinese um as a Chinese Indonesian. Um and I do feel that and and some of the people who I talk to um you know, I feel like say uh, express the same um sentiment mm. that um we are we are still being considered an outsider. Mm. Which is which is quite concerning considering that, you know, I I was born in in Borneo in the jungle of Borneo. I grew up there and I spent much of my childhood, like eighteen, the first eighteen, nineteen years of my life there. But yeah, that's that's a sentiment, man. Like we are, we are still outsiders.
0: Mm. Which I'm, I'm sure we can talk about um, in another episode. Um, but thank you very much, William. Uh, lastly, yep. can I just ask you about your book, your very exciting book coming up? Um, <laughs> can you tell us about it?
1: Okay, so. The book was actually a, a like a letter. Um, it's a letter version of my honors thesis. So, um, in twenty sixteen, I I I was accepted into an honors program at RMIT, um where I ended up writing a thesis about emerging um, hip hop in the nineteen nineties and their method of polite protests, or what I call polite protests. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book talks about how people. Um, young people at the time, these Indonesian rappers couldn't speak what they want to speak about they couldn't say what they want to say about because at the time they were under major record labels so at the time, many of them were were contracted by guest music which at the time were subsidiaries of Sony Music Indonesia and Musica Studios Right. so they they couldn't say what they want to say so what they ended up doing was creating this polite protest so say they were singing about like you okay, he was singing about um Ulat, right? He was singing about worms that's mm. that's in a fish of a person. And uh, and that sort of stuff. People were singing about um uh, electricity problem, people were singing about homelessness, but they couldn't say what um what created these problems. So that's that's their polite protest that that I ended up um turning into a book. Yeah.
0: And when is the book coming out?
1: I think the first official announcement will be sometime in March, and then I'll have the book launching sometimes in April or May. Life has been interesting now that I'm a week <laughs> away from submission.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me about it well, uh, thank you very fun. much it's It's been amazing talking with you. um we talked about um, you know Bandung Jogja Papua. Um, <laughs> we talked about Young legs <laughs> as well oh even God. though probably you didn't want to um, and also thank you very much for sharing a little bit of your perspective as a Chinese-Indonesian and when we talked about Rich Brian I think that's, yep. that's a very, very important um, issue that we still need to talk about in Indonesia yep. and I think, yeah, so I thank you very much for sharing uh, that and yeah, good luck with your submission and yeah, thanks, looking Ryan. forward to reading um, your book and your uh, other publications as well
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm truly honored to be here.